I had probably 30 different jobs okay. uh, and I just kept quitting or I'd get fired. And I decided I was a terrible employee and maybe I should try to start my own business and see what would happen there. The following is brought to you by Thrive, the end-to-end -end client experience platform that helps you get the job, manage the job, and get credit. Welcome to Winning on Main Street. I'm Gordon Henry. The American economy is driven by small business, local business people who like to work for themselves and build something successful. And today we're fortunate to be speaking with Heather Saffer, founder of Dollop Gourmet, who appeared on Shark Tank. Heather will be appearing at the Thrive Connect 20 conference in November, and we're fortunate that she stopped by today to speak with us at Winning on Main Street. Welcome, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. Great to have you. And, you know, I have to say we've done dozens of these uh, interviews on Winning on Main Street, and you're right at the top of my list of ones that I'm most excited about because I am a Shark Tank fanatic. Well, I hope to live up to your hype then. Okay. Well, let's get started. I'm going to start way back at the beginning. Um, you grew up, I believe, in Rochester uh, or that area. Um, what was your childhood like? I would say my childhood was pretty normal, average. Um, my parents, they got divorced, but not until I was like 24. So um, I had a kind of typical childhood. My mom was a teacher. Um, I have a brother who's a year older than me, and my dad worked at Kodak. Everyone worked at Kodak in Rochester mm -hmm. back sure. then. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, it was pretty normal. There, I would say there were, there were no entrepreneurs in my family. Um, I didn't know anything about business, and I struggled a lot when I was a teenager. Uh, I had depression, anxiety, but I also, I just, I wasn't, I couldn't find anything I was good at. Um, and I, I tried everything. My parents were great and, you know, letting me try different things. So putting me in different classes and letting me try different sports. And there was just nothing I really excelled at. Hmm. So you became an entrepreneur. What, what would you say was the spark or the preparation that, that got you into, into entrepreneurship? The spark was that I couldn't find anything else I wanted to do. <laughs> I had probably 30 different jobs okay. uh, and I just kept quitting or I'd get fired. And I decided I was a terrible employee and <laughs> maybe I should try to start my own business and see what would happen there. Okay. So you went into baking, right? I did. I had never really baked before. My mom didn't bake. We made cookies once for Hanukkah one year <laughs> and we burnt them. They were from, they weren't even from scratch. They were from like the Pillsbury dough roll that you just put in the, in the oven. And so I didn't know anything about baking and, uh, but I knew that I liked eating desserts. <laughs> and so uh, and, and that cupcakes were becoming really popular. It was, it was a niche that was really starting to grow. This was during the recession. And I just thought, you know what, 
I'm, I might not be able to make a cupcake right now, but I sure know what a good cupcake tastes like. Mm -hmm. So I think, let me just try this and see what happens. Okay. So you started Dollop Gourmet around that time? I actually, I, my first business was called the Cupcake Dreamery. Mm. And I started that by doing a lot of, uh, I did a lot of donations at first till I found a kitchen space to rent and then did a lot of events, weddings, showers. And uh, then this is my crash and burn story. I entrusted the wrong person. Everything went downhill. Um, he wound up being a con artist. He went to prison and I had to start over. So that's mm. when Dollop Gourmet was born, when I had to start over. The con artist, artist who went to prison was your business partner? He wasn't, he wasn't a business partner. I had hired him sort of as a manager and an okay. investor. And again, I didn't know anything about business. There were no role models for me growing up. Mm. And so I didn't, I wasn't on top of my banking. I didn't even know that he had stolen my checkbook and he was writing himself checks mm. and he was pocketing all the cash that came in. Like I didn't, I didn't know how to do any of these things. And uh, so, so yeah, it just went downhill quickly. Wow. So when did you get the idea to try to get on TV and apply for money with Shark Tank? Well, first, when I started over and I started Dollop Gourmet again, I, I got an actual retail storefront. So I rented, I rented space, I built out a kitchen, and I decided I wanted to get on Cupcake Wars on Food Network. So mm. that was kind of my first foray into, into TV, national TV. And so I wound up getting on the show and I won Cupcake Wars. And, and so after that, it was kind of like, okay, well, what's next, right? There's always a what's next, what's next? I got to do something bigger, better, what's next? And Shark Tank was really picking up steam. Uh, so I, that was kind of the next TV show that I set my sights on. Okay. And coming out of the Cupcake Wars TV show appearance, what, what did you get out of that? Or what was the result of that appearance? That was, that was huge. Uh, it was huge for business. I had lines around the block of my mm. bakery. Mm. Uh, I mean, we were doing a ton of business. I was doing a lot of local news. I, um, I was getting in, you know, other national publications. I decided I wanted to write a cookbook and doing cupcake wars helped me get my first book deal, mm. uh, which then helped me get into like people magazine and, wow. uh, and Forbes and Huffington post. And so all these publications kind of, stemmed from cupcake wars really so you are pretty comfortable i guess in front of audiences i mean you were on cupcake wars and you felt good enough you went into shark tank you're you're kind of naturally comfortable in front of large crowds or or tv cameras i'm i'm definitely comfortable i like to say i'm more comfortable in front of tv cameras than in just in front of people when there's no tv cameras that's so, pretty funny yeah Okay. So then uh, wanting to do something big, bigger and better than Cupcake Wars, you applied for Shark Tank. So here's where I really want the gory details because I've watched this show for years and years with my kids, raised my kids watching Shark Tank. And, you know, you kind of always wonder, what's it like trying to get on the show? Sometimes you hear applicants um, 
say it took me years to get on the show? Did it take you years? Was it really hard? What was it like? I wouldn't say it took me years. I do recall applying one year and not hearing anything back. And that was before I launched the frosting line. So I was kind of okay with it because I didn't I didn't really have anything. It was just kind of a shot in the dark, just throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks. Um, but then when I seriously applied, I I heard back, but it was it was a very lengthy process between all of the video submissions you have to send and dealing with the producers. And then when they decided that they wanted to have me on the show, I was supposed to film in June because they filmed twice, June and September. And they were I was waiting for the call to receive my plane ticket. And I got the call from the producer. But instead of her telling me that I was getting my plane ticket, she told me that they weren't going to have me on and I could try again for September. Mm. So it was it was a roller coaster of a process. Um, and there was no guarantee along the way that you were going to get to L.A. And then once you're in L.A., there's no guarantee that you're going to film. And then if you do film, there's no guarantee that it's going to air. So they film all the episodes for the year in two sort of sessions, as you described. What was it? July, September? Yeah, you. it's usually like June, July, and then June, September, July. October. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering partly because guys like Mark live in Dallas or Kevin, I think, lives in Boston. And so you think, okay, how could they be out in L.A. all the time? That's the answer. They go for one period, film a bunch of things, and then go home. Yeah, it's. A, I, th- I think they film it all in a week's time or two weeks time. And so wow. once you, you know, they bring out 20 different entrepreneurs mm-hmm. to film, but they don't have time for all of them. So okay. even if you're out there, you could be sitting in your green room and all of a sudden it's day three of filming and it's 7 p.m. and they run out of time and, and, you know, that happened to someone that was filming when I was filming and he didn't get to film. So. Mm. Wow. That must be disappointing. So nonetheless, you did get selected obviously, and you did get to uh, actually appear and just describe when you come out of those doors and you walk down that, you know, entryway and you're standing there, is your heart beating? Are you scared? What's, what was the sensation like you're on national TV? Yeah, it's definitely nerve wracking. I don't remember thinking so much about uh, the cameras and being filmed, especially when you have a food product. Your Hmm. main concern is just like you want them to like the taste of it because, you know, taste is so subjective. Like you don't you don't know. So that's really that was my biggest concern. I was kind of like, just please like it. Please like it. Like, this <laughs> is going, this is going nowhere fast if they don't like it. Okay. Um, so you're definitely nervous and you know that um, you have to be aware of everything that comes out of your mouth because there's no, there's no stopping and starting again. Like they don't, they never yell cut. They, you know, so it's one long stream and everything you say is fair game for them to use. That was another question because you see many of the contestants really smooth, well-produced, you know, it all seems to be well-rehearsed and it goes so well. You're like, as a viewer, you're thinking they must've done a couple of takes of that. They couldn't get that all in one take, but you're saying it's just one take, huh? 
It's one take. I mean, it's, but it's long. I think I was, I was about 45 minutes. Um, some people are in there for a couple hours. So it's definitely highly edited. A lot of it is pieced together and, and edited out. But the key is that anything that comes out of your mouth, they can okay. use. Okay. So when you get out there, you don't, you don't want to, you know, just start blabbing because anything you say could make the final cut and you could think, well, I wish I hadn't said that. So it's really, you know, I was very conscious of taking my time and listening more than I talked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, as I understand it, you got an offer from Barbara Corcoran. Is that right? Yeah, I got an offer from Barbara and from Kevin, and I decided to go with the offer. I countered her once, and then I decided to go with Barbara's offer. Okay, which was for how much money? Uh, seventy-five thousand, I believe. Okay. Do you remember what percentage of your company you were giving up to her? It was. I was going in for seventy-five thousand for twenty percent, and she uh, offered the 75,000 for 30%. And going in, I knew that I wanted to, if I got an offer, I knew I wanted to counter once Mm -hmm. because I didn't want it to look like I was just desperate and Mm -hmm. I would take whatever was thrown at me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also didn't want to be argumentative. So I didn't want to go back and forth. So when she offered the 75,000 for 30%, I thought in my head, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta counter something. Uh, so I countered back the 25% and she accepted that. Right. Okay. Well, this is fascinating. And we're going to take a quick break uh, now with Heather Saffer. And when we come back, we're going to hear about what happened next after you accepted the offer from Barbara Corcoran. We'll be right back. As a business owner, it's not uncommon to feel like you're stuck or in a rut. We all need a little inspiration to keep us motivated and moving forward. Thrive is here to help. This fall, join Thrive for Connect 20, a two-day virtual and interactive small business conference featuring some of today's most successful business leaders, industry pioneers, technology gurus, and entrepreneurs like yourself. Hear from a lineup of inspirational speakers, including Scott Galloway, the star of Vice TV's No Mercy, No Malice, and best-selling author of The Four and the Algebra of Happiness. Well-renowned CEOs, successful Shark Tank contestants, and savvy business experts will also be offering must-have advice. You'll have the opportunity to participate in scheduled educational breakout sessions with leading executives from Yelp, Lendio, Neighborly, and more. Network with small business resources like America's Small Business Development Centers, SCORE, and the National Women's Business Council, as well as with other owners just like you. So grab a cup of coffee and join us for this virtual online event, November 10th and 11th. This is the small business conference you won't want to miss. Register now at thrive.com connect. That's T-H-R-Y-V dot forward slash connect. Come to connect. Leave inspired. All right. 
We're back having a conversation with Heather Saffer of Dollop Gourmet, who was a Shark Tank uh, uh, appearance uh, and got an offer from Barbara Corcoran. She was just explaining $75,000 for 25%. So you accepted Barbara's offer. What happened next after you accepted the offer? You mean when I went home? Yeah. So when I went home, I didn't hear anything for a while. Um, I was very excited. And I, when I did finally hear from Barbara's point person, there was a lot of due diligence. So, and due diligence went back and forth for, I would say four to five months. Uh, and at the end of the day, I decided it wasn't a great fit mm. and that I didn't want to move forward with the offer. Okay. Anything in particular? Did you meet Barbara? Was it just not good chemistry? What was the issue? I actually didn't meet Barbara. I didn't hear from her personally at all. Mm. I only heard from her point person who was the nicest guy in the world, really nice guy. Uh, but a lot of it, every time I, I asked kind of a strategic question about the food industry, you know, packaged goods, uh, he said that he would ask their other brands. And once you've been on Shark Tank, like the other entrepreneurs is a pretty tight knit group. So mm -hmm. I know a lot of Shark Tank entrepreneurs and we help each other. And it's kind of like a mastermind group. Um, we're all in really close touch. So I was thinking I can, I know your other brands, I can ask them myself anyway. And um, so it just, in, and the $75,000 wasn't going to be enough money. It's not really a lot of money in the food space, in the CPG space. Um, so it wasn't really going to move the needle. Mm -hmm. And so I just decided that it wasn't going to, it wasn't what I wanted to do. Hmm. Wow. So you backed out of the uh, deal, so to speak. And uh, what'd you do next? What did I do next? Well, I focused on fulfilling the orders when, you know, <laughs> once you find out that it's going to air, you don't have a whole lot of time to prepare mm. um, and for, for your air date because you only get a, a couple weeks notice. So that was my, that was my immediate focus after mm. that. Did sales explode uh, after your appearance on the show? Sales of Dolph Gourmet exploded? They did. I mean, the Shark Tank effect is real. You know, once once it airs, you get a huge influx of orders and emails and and phone calls. Um, it's it's legit. <laughs> like mm -hmm. it it is a lot of business afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So that all seems pretty good. So you kept uh, you had a lot of orders coming in, and then what happened after that? Because you got out of the company somehow. Am I correct? Did you sell the company? I did. I sold the company. So I sold the company um, last year. Hmm. So after Shark Tank, I still was running the company for three years. Mm -hmm. um, so just, I mean, I kept expanding, kept leveraging the Shark Tank to get more publicity. 
Uh, I got my second book deal. So I wrote my second cookbook and uh, got into more stores. And then I, and I did take some more investors, more investors, my first investors, I got into an accelerator program in New York city and um, got investors out of that. And then I just, I decided I had had, I was building the brand for, you know, a solid 10 years and I just was ready to move on and do something different. So right. I, there's a Canadian company that's been making icings and, and glazes for four decades and, and they had been following my story over the years. And um, so we were able to, to strike a deal and I'm still working with Dollop and um and and the owner of the company we've become pretty good friends so it's been it's been a good transition fantastic so you sold the company to the canadians and uh you've continued that relationship but you moved on to other things all sounds really good and you've got two cookbooks you've written uh what's next for heather saffer that's the magic question. <laughs> um, to be quite honest, I'm still trying to figure out what my what my next big move is. I'm doing a lot of speaking and some consulting, and uh, I created a passion project to use my artwork. I'm doing a lot of artwork to raise money for animal rescues, and um, so that's been my main focus lately. But but I haven't kind of taken a deep dive into a new venture as of yet. Hmm. As you look back at this, you know, very successful run you had appearing on the Cupcake Wars and then especially on Shark Tank. Um, do you have any other uh, or should I say, do you have any tips for other people who would want to do something similar, particularly to get on Shark Tank? What would you say to somebody who wants to be on Shark Tank and thinks it's too intimidating, too difficult? Apply. <laughs> a lot of people approach me and they ask, they, they want to have a conversation. They're thinking about applying to be on Shark Tank. And my response is usually it's there's no conversation to have with you. Like just apply. If you get to the next step of, you know, auditioning and preparing for an audition, then I can have a conversation with you. But you, I mean, there's no harm in just applying. There's nothing to think about really. Like just, you just apply. And then mm-hmm. see what happens. Mm. Right. And looking back at the whole experience, uh, you know, the delays, the time in getting there, uh, you know, getting the offer and ultimately not accepting or working with Barbara. Um, do you look back on it and say that was the greatest thing or, you know, how, what, what's your view of it looking back? I look back on it and it was, it was a great experience. Like, Shark Tank is an amazing experience. If anyone, you know, I don't know why anyone would not do it. I would say like, if you have, if the producers want you to do it, do it. Like there's, there's really, and I say that coming from a place though, also that I, I had a good performance. Like it was, they were very, the sharks were very complimentary. Nothing went wrong. It went as well as I could have ever hoped it to go. So I think, you know, if anyone has the opportunity, they should do it. Um, It was very stressful. I do remember I was very, I was very stressed. Like it wasn't a laid back thing, right? I was, I was depressed. I was anxious. I was (laughs) elated at times. Like it was, it was an emotional roller coaster. 
Do you have any other life lessons to share as an entrepreneur? Many of the people who listen to this show are entrepreneurs and they're just trying to figure it out. And you're someone who by your own admission, you know, you thought you were a bad employee, went through 30 jobs, and then you kind of started your entrepreneurial career because I guess you couldn't figure out what else to do. But here we are 10, 15 years later, big success. What, what, what do you think looking back, you wish you would have known to become a successful entrepreneur? Oh, I think there are so many things that I wish I would have known. Um, I, I would say that like one thing that I think is really important and that I, you know, you know, think about now today, because it's 10 years later and I'm kind of back in that what's next stage is, you know, when you find something that you're really passionate about and you can't stop thinking about and you and it and it doesn't it doesn't feel like work. And I know people say that all the time, but it really it's something that you want to be doing. Like you don't you will pass on going out, you know, for dinner with friends because you want to be working on what you're working on. Like go with it. Just just keep going with it and uh don't be afraid to reach out to people. Don't be afraid to try to get publicity. Just again, like throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. That's kind of what you have to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, One last question. Uh, We always like to know a little bit more about the personal side of uh, the entrepreneur beyond the business. Uh, When you're not writing cookbooks, appearing on TV, speaking to magazines or podcasters, what do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? I exercise. I I like going to CrossFit. I'm obsessed with my dog. Mm. I like to draw, write poetry, and drink wine and eat desserts. (laughs) Sounds pretty good. I guess if you're in the dollop gourmet business, you got to be eating some desserts now and then, right? I I I got. I honestly, I I rarely rarely bake anymore, but I have dessert every single night. Like I do love dessert. Sounds good. Well, you know, with COVID-19, you got to, you got to keep your spirits up. So what's better than eating dessert every night? Exactly. Yeah. Great. Well, this has been awesome speaking to you. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. And we are excited again to have you speaking at Thrive Connect uh, 20, which is coming up uh, November 10th and 11th. And uh, for you listeners out there, if you enjoyed this program, please subscribe to our podcast, recommend it to a friend or fellow entrepreneur. And if you want to sign up to attend uh, virtually Thrive Connect 20, go to thrive, that's thriv.com slash connect, and you can sign up um, today. And uh, so we are going to sign off. I want to thank Heather Saffer again for her time. Uh, we're winning on Main Street. We speak each week with a successful entrepreneur and tune in next week for another great entrepreneurial conversation. Again, this is Gordon Henry. Thanks for listening. Signing off.